Hi, I'm Jen Drummond. Welcome to my podcast, Take a Break. Take a Break is about enhancing and preserving the greatest asset you have, you. Hi, friends. Thanks for joining us again today. I have fitness guru, Jamie Hess here. She is so many things that I probably can't get them all right, but we're going to go TV personality, health coach, podcaster, New York fit fam on Instagram. She has a huge following. She does modeling, all kinds of things. So hi, Jamie. Hey girl. Yeah. You, I know it's like, it's a mouthful. When people ask me what I do, I'm like, um, I don't, it, it would take a while. Do you have a minute? You know? Yeah. No, like TV personality, wellness expert. I'm NYC fit fam on Instagram. I have a podcast called off the gram. I just signed a deal for a second podcast with Warner brothers, which is exciting. And then most maybe importantly, I am a wellness coach. My coaching program is called the big ask. And that's also what I talk about on stages across the country. Yes. And you just had an amazing stage presence at TEDx right? Yeah. I watched the video. Thank you for watching that. That means so much. That was like a major bucket list moment for my life. Um, you know, I think we all revere the TEDx stage, you know, and you know, what's really interesting, Jen, is like when I talk to younger people now, when how younger people have responded to me about the TEDx, they're like, you know, when I just need a little boost, a little motivation, I go on and I just watch a TEDx. And I feel like that's really Interesting. I love to hear that younger people are using TEDx talks as just these little boosts of motivation. Oh, yeah. And yours is fabulous. Uh, you ended with Namaste. And when I was watching it, I'm like, Namaste. Like, she just killed that thing. It was awesome. Thank you and so the much. fun thing that I liked was your big ask. Like, let's talk about that because I think that lesson is so important for all of us. Yeah. So here's the thing. The big ask is literally that I coach people to make an ask around things in their life that need a little bit of help. So it started as primarily weight loss and wellness. And that's my coaching program. I coach women in one-on-one -on -one and boot, uh, group boot camp sessions, like to basically, you know, get help with their weight loss and wellness goals. I also think we're in this crazy time in, in culture where weight loss, a conversation around weight loss in any way is demonized. Like we should all just be part of the body positivity movement and self-love in any size. And I'm like, Okay, there's nothing, God bless, absolutely for self-love. But let me tell you something. The women that are up in my DMs begging for help are not DMing me because they, they have too much self-love. They don't feel good. They're not happy and they're struggling. And if somebody wants to change that or make a healthier choice, that also shouldn't be demonized. 62% of America is overweight or obese. I didn't make that up. It's according to the CDC. So I really feel like it's important to like also keep your mouth open and like, hold space for people that want to go on a health journey. Like there's no reason that they should be not able to do that. So I teach them to also like pipe up because so often we have a much easier time raising our hand about things like a problem with drugs or alcohol, both of which I've had, by the way. Mm -hmm. And I found that almost easier in a way because people get that. Like, oh, I have right. a drug problem. I have to go to rehab. Like, yeah, I get it. I get that. But I can't put down the fork or I'm having a battle royale with a pint of ice cream that's literally kicking my ass time after time at nine o'clock at night when no one's looking. That is just as scary and just as defeating. But we all almost giggle when we talk about a pint of ice cream as if people shouldn't 
as if it, it doesn't deserve, it doesn't have as merit. That is very, very addictive stuff and should also be treated with like, those people deserve grace. Right, right. And just having the language and story around that is so helpful because all of us, I mean, I've been the person who's gone into the cabinet and then all of a sudden a row of Oreos is gone, right? Like a row. And I feel like crap. And it's because I, like, I don't even know if I recognized the trigger before, but I went for the Oreo in the first place because I didn't feel good. Yeah. Right. And then you get this little boost because your stomach's like, Hey, this is fun. I like yeah. this. And so then you eat the whole row and then you realize okay, now I feel miserable because I ate a row of Oreos and I feel miserable because I got triggered and I let the trigger win. It's hard. It's really hard. And what people don't understand, because I'm somebody who suffered with um, both like drug addiction and alcoholism and then also binge eating disorder. And it is the same damn oh, yeah. thing. So yeah. like, addiction is addiction. And I told this story on a stage yesterday and I just think it bears repeating. My son the other night was acting out. He was just being a seven-year-old, you know, he's being like as seven-year-olds are, he was being a schmuck. I was like, dude, this is just like enough. And he kept doing it. And we were at a family event. And finally I pulled him aside and I was like, Mason, buddy, this is not the right way to act. And you know that, right? And he was like, mom, I do know. He was like, you know that drone you bought me? Okay, imagine somebody wanted to like turn off the drone and they turned it off, but then it kept flying. And then they were like, oh man, this thing is glitching. And so they took the batteries out of the controller and it just kept going. I feel like that drone. And I looked at him and I was like, this is the most disarmingly astute observation given to me by a seven-year-old because what he was saying was that he was acting out despite himself. And that is what I help grown adult women with every single day. And don't we all feel like that rogue drone sometimes? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And even when you do everything that you are supposed to do, it can still sniper attack. I mean, it just happens. It's life. It's life. And that's why I teach people to set themselves up for success and to get ahead of it. Because if it keeps happening and you keep telling yourself, Oh, I just need to learn to deal with this better. I suck. I'm weak. I'm this. Stop putting yourself down. You're human. It's yeah. literally okay. And by the way, you know, here I, I'm Jamie. I'm raising my hand. I'm a wellness expert. You're Jen. You're like a world-class athlete. You, we both have eaten the row of Oreos too. So yeah. like it happens to everyone. So my point is ask for help and set up the framework of accountability before you need it because you know you're going to fall into the abyss and like it's totally okay yeah and the the struggle is and we all struggle with this and i i love what you say about it so i'm bringing it up somehow we've turned help into a four-letter word yeah. like we're happy to give it right like if you ask me for help i love being a part of your story i love being able to contribute if it works for me a hundred percent all the time but for me to ask for help it's just so bizarre that we have such a hard time with it at times isn't that so nuts and what i said at the end of my tedx talk was like when you don't ask somebody for help because you don't want to be a bother you are literally robbing them of an opportunity to show up and feel good about themselves. Don't you like helping other people? I like helping other people, like especially when it's someone I love. I'm like, wow, I got to show up. I got to make a difference. And then seeing them maybe get a little better tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, right on. 
when you don't ask someone for help, you're literally putting a barrier in between them and their ability to be a hero. Yeah, exactly. And I, like I've learned one of the methods that's helped me is just saying, you know what? It's fun when other people are included. It's yeah. fun to have other people on my journey. And if I need help, that's a way for me to ask for somebody to join my journey. Mm -hmm. That's true. And it doesn't even have to be that complicated. Be like I tell people all the time, the worst thing you can do is go to someone else and ask and make an ask that's very vague. Like, you know, Gary, will you help me? I just need to get, I need to lose 10 pounds. I just need to get back on track with like the gym and just like get better about my eating. What, what is that? Gary doesn't know what to do with that. Like Gary's gonna like be the cookie police and like swat the Oreo out of your hand. Gary's not doing that. He does not want the side eye and I don't blame him. But if you can pick one thing, you don't have to pick all the things. If you could pick one thing to put a stake in the ground around, Hey Gary, on Wednesday mornings, I decided I'm gonna get up an hour early and I'm gonna take this 1 6 15 a.m. yoga class. Could I be accountable to you by, I'm gonna show you that I put my clothes out on Tuesday night, the night before. I'm gonna show you I've signed up for the class the next day. I'm gonna show you in the app or whatever. And hey Gary, when I'm done with the class on Wednesday morning, just to prove I followed through, could I send you a picture, like a sweaty selfie or a picture of me, you know, the class completed on the computer or a picture of me at the, at the workout studio? That is accountability that makes sense. And you're now setting both people up for success. Yes, right? I mean, I have to do that when I have conversations with people on the phone. I will call my mom and I'll say, mom, I'm calling you to listen, not for advice, right? So then if I tell her what I need, then she knows how to participate in the conversation. Yeah. When we make it too vague and open, both people are trying to help, but there's disconnect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's really about communication. So it's funny, as much as my program is a program, people come to me for weight loss, but what they leave with is like better communication oftentimes with their spouse. People tell me they have like a better sex life. I'm like, well, I'd love to take credit for that. And I will, <laughs> but like the reality is, it's like, we just don't learn how to voice our needs enough. And once you start getting more comfortable having uncomfortable conversations, a whole new world unrolls. Yeah, that advocating for ourselves is so important. And I think having children really helped me with that because I'm demonstrating by how I do things and how they should do things, right? So whenever I notice like, oh, what's going on over there? Then I'm more assertive in how I present so that I can make sure that they're picking up on the lesson of, oh, this is what I need. This is how I ask for it. But yeah. Totally. As a mom, it's like my biggest lesson to instill with my children is that, and especially as I have little boys, especially with little boys, like it's okay. Like we're literally put here on this planet to connect and help each other. Right. So like, don't miss out on that. You don't need to be too tough to ask someone else for help. Like that's the journey. Yeah. 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 So when people come to you primarily for weight loss, is it, do they have specific numbers they're looking for? Is it healthier eating or what is the number one thing that people are coming for? So I started off as a fitness and wellness influencer. I started off on Instagram as NYC fit fam with my husband when we were just sharing our like fitness journey as a couple. I didn't have kids yet. So my followers and my community has kind of come along on this whole ride with me. They've watched my weight go up and down with kids and they've watched me kind of just be very human and navigate that. 
I also have a podcast called Off the Gram. So those things together, me kind of being on the front lines and interviewing all these experts, people started coming to me in droves being like, hey, do you do coaching? Do you do coaching? And for years, I was like, I don't. Mm -mm, no, it's not part of what I No, I don't do that. And then finally, one day, but I was like, for most people, I would say, hey, but if you need an accountability buddy, like, look, I've got anyone's back. So why don't we just like stay in touch for 30 days? Here's the thing. And like, I would kind of just start doing it. And then after a certain period of time, I was like, I had to sit down and ask myself, like, why are you saying that something that's very much within your core capabilities is not a service that you would provide to these people who want it? Mm -hmm. And so what I started doing was just sharing literally the exact same type of program and motivation that I have been sharing for years, which is very much about hyper-local accountability and just showing up and putting one foot in front of another day after day. So when women come to me, and oftentimes that's the first question they'll ask, well, what are typical results? How many pounds am I going to lose? And I'm like, I, Susan, I cannot tell you that. I love you, but I can't, that is your journey. What I can tell you is that you're gonna, you know, depending on what they're doing, my boot camp's eight weeks and my one-on-one -on -one coaching's 12. I said, you know, you're gonna come out of this eight weeks or whatever it is with a new sense of yourself, with some new healthy habits that are gonna be very much ingrained and a new framework to actually have it work going forward. Cause that was my biggest gripe with wellness programs. I did a lot. I, I participated as a client in weight loss programs and accountability programs. And some of them were really great. It's how I lost my weight after my second baby. I got this job on QVC. That's another one of my jobs. I'm on the air at QVC. And I literally went for my, I'm taking a side note here, but I went on my audition two weeks postpartum after a C-section and I got the job. And then I was like, oh boy. Oh, oh boy, I, I got to lose like 20 pounds. Like I had all this baby weight and I did an accountability program and it was awesome. But then it ended and I was left back in the place where I started, which was like, I almost felt like I'm free. And that's why we gain all the weight back. Right. And what I, what I decided was to harness that power of the healthy habits that I know and love. And then the accountability piece but teach people how to enlist that hyper-local accountability in their own homes. So that when the program ends, I've spent, you know, the first half I spend teaching them the healthy habits and getting all the weight loss measures in place. And then the second half, I teach them to set it up in their own household. So when they graduate from me, they have someone holding their hand and waiting for them on the other side. Right. Yeah. That accountability piece is so much in all things that we're trying to accomplish in life. Yeah. Well, and that's why now as a keynote speaker, I really took it one click up. I don't just talk about weight loss when I'm out there on the speaking circuit. I talk about behavior change through accountability and kind of hacking your hustle muscle and just like being, especially right now, there's so much um, resistance to the return to work and there's a quiet quitting trend and all of these things. And I was in PR and marketing for 17 years prior to being, you know, on air talent and doing what I do now. So I come from corporate. I speak, yeah. I speak corporate. Okay. I can tell you that this quiet quitting thing, I very much understand where it's coming from because I've interviewed like, you know, like slews of young adults because I really care what they have to say. And I get, I get it. They have valid reasons, but it's like, and, and a lot of times they don't respect their boss because they feel like their boss or their employer because they feel like their employer doesn't respect them. Fair. But do you respect yourself? Right. And that's the question at the end of the day. Like someone the other day said the best thing. They're like, there, there's no quiet quitting in the, in the Olympics. And I was like, yeah, dude, like, you know what I mean? Like suit up and show up. And that's at the end of the day, we build self-esteem by doing esteemable acts. 
So the pride that you feel in showing up and doing your best every day, that's yours. That's yeah. not your employers. Right. And so a lot of what I talk about is kind of getting people back on track to being able to navigate that. But I think also, and this is where accountability comes in in the workplace, people are just scared. They're scared to go back to work because they've gotten really out of practice. They're scared to have face-to-face -face conversations. They're scared to get on-site criticism. They're scared to go back into team structures. And I understand that. But like having better communication, having a better voice to voice when you're being overfaced or, or overworked, that's part of how it all ties in to like becoming a better you so you can better voice your needs. Right. The communication piece, right? Which comes into being communicating with yourself. Hey self, what do I need? Hey self, why am I eating right now? Hey self, what, like just taking that break for a second and having the courage to say, what is a signal really telling me right now? And how do I want to respond? And we really have no idea half the time. We yeah. have no idea why we're doing the things we do. And so by and large these days, what do most people do with that? They check out and scroll TikTok because it's just like too scary. You know, it's like too scary. And so it really is an inside job. Uh, that's the kind of why I take people through like a five pillar plan. And the first plan is like get grounded. And it's like, I actually, when I speak to, you know, B2B audiences, business to business audiences, I speak about like, Jamie's personality PL. Like look like looking at it like a profits and loss sheet. Like, what are my character defects and assets? Where, where it, what are the things that keep hanging me up? And if you don't understand what that is, like a business that takes no inventory regularly goes broke. Yeah. How can you possibly have holistic health, mind, body, and flow if you don't know what's on your shelves, your spiritual shelves? So I really encourage people to like first go within, figure out what the problem is figure out a potential solution and then ask for help with achieving that solution. Right. So when you were at your low point after your son, right. And then you realize like, this is getting scary. This is getting bigger than me. I need help. Tell me how, because it takes so much courage to go to your partner and say, I've been struggling. I've been hiding it, but I don't want to do that. Like, how did that happen? So, and just to kind of like bring everyone up to speed, what you're referring to is like, cause I spoke about this in my TEDx, I had been a drug addict in my twenties. So I had experienced a, a first kind of like, you know, coming to the realization that I needed help and I had gone to treatment and I got sober and I'm like, you know, 20 plus years into that recovery journey. But then I had my baby. And first of all, if you're not happy after you have a baby, cause PS, you probably have some postpartum, which I definitely did. But like, you feel so guilty. You're like, yeah. oh my God, people would like, people would, I did IVF. Some people can't even get pregnant. Here I am being ungrateful. Like you feel, you have just like this double guilt. I was unhappy. I'm pretty sure I had postpartum or at the very least, let's call it the baby blues. I was overwhelmed. I was like, what is this new life? Did I ruin my life? This feels really hard. My hormones were all over the place. And, um, I started eating and I just realized that I could put a bandaid on that pain in the same way I used to use drugs. Mm -hmm. And the eating became symptomatic. Like it wasn't normal eating. Um, and at first I used the excuse that I was breastfeeding in my own mind. And then I eventually I was like, you can't really make it like this is not, this isn't going anywhere good. 
And then one day I had really gone to town. I had had a pretty impressive binge and I walked into my bathroom and I did what I had learned to do many years before in my teens and twenties. And I had a bulimic episode. I was home alone with my son that day. And I heard him crying in the other room. He was by himself. And here I was too tied up, too tied up, right? With my own mishigas, as we say in the Jewish religion. Mm -hmm. That was the worst maybe I've ever felt. It was just so low with all the things that ever happened to me in my life with drugs. Like it didn't even compare, paled in comparison to this moment because also I just knew I was living a lie, you know, outwardly I was like, this happy new mom. And like, I was completely crumbling. I, my husband knew everything about my history with drugs and alcohol. It, that was like first date conversation. I had no problem sharing it. Mm-hmm. I never once told him that I had a history with bulimia. I was mortified that he would ever find out that I like binged on food, binged on cocaine, totally normal, binged on whatever else, but food somehow, why is that so shameful? Yeah, It's like, we don't want to admit that. And that's what I also am really trying to like disrupt. I think that is such a ridiculous double standard. Yeah. Drugs are drugs and sugar is a drug and it all follows the same pathways. Right. And so I, I was, when we're in enough pain, we'll take an action. Yeah. And I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I, I was done and I went into the living room that evening and I told him that we needed to talk and I just, I actually wrote it out. I, I went to my computer and I typed it. In case I lost my nerve, I figured I would just shove the note in his hand. That was but I smart. ended up reading it. Yeah, so I read it to him and just told him what was going on and I told him that I needed, and I, you know, I didn't go away to like treatment again. Like I didn't feel like that's what I needed. I just needed someone in my corner. Yeah. And that's, and that, this was the beginning of my, my second wave of recovery. And how did he take the news? Like, was he shocked? Was he supportive from the minute? Like, was it how I'm just wondering, because those transactions, I think for most of us are so scary and it's easy to gloss over some of the little details after we've been past it, but that's where we're like, okay, did it work out? Or was there a, what was the cycle? Right. What was like, yeah, it's such a good question because people don't, People don't pipe up because they just don't, they're just so scared of the response. Two things. Number one, I've yet to be in a big ask session yet. Cause I do, when I'm doing it with my women, um, I actually do their couples coaching together. I make them get on the zoom together and we make their big ask together so I can help them not chicken out, say what needs to be said. And I'll say to them like, you know, Carol, turn to him and look him in the eyes and tell him what it feels like when it's, you know, you and, you know, the tapioca pudding and it's, you know, 11 p.m. and no one's around and everyone giggles, right? Because tapioca pudding, that's kind of a funny word. And and I have to say, like, I understand we're giggling because it's a little awkward, but Carol, tell him how it feels to you because I don't, I don't think it feels funny to you, honey, right? It doesn't feel funny in the moment. Mm -hmm. And then she inevitably breaks down and starts crying and it feels so defeating. And like, that's what I'm trying to get at. We have to just de-trivialize this type of thing because it's really real for people. And this was really real for me. So when I told my husband, he was unbelievably supportive as I have found 
pretty much 100% of the time that partners are. And it yep. does not have to be a romantic partner that you make the ask of. Um, it can be a friend, it can be a family member. I've yet to be in any situation where the partner has said anything judgmental or, you know, I don't want to help or, I mean, it just doesn't really, I, I'm sure there is a world in which it could happen, but I haven't seen it yet, <laughs> right? Yeah, so and like, let's hit on that a second for all the listeners. Here's the reality. When human beings are designed to connect and anytime we see somebody being authentic and struggling, it tugs at our heartstrings. Like there's no way that it doesn't. And when it tugs at our heartstrings, we're honored to be the person that you felt safe enough to come to. You're absolutely right. And I, I just want to put a little bit of emphasis on that because when we get into these spots where we're stuck or we're triggered or we don't know, and then we finally have the courage to share, that's such an honor to be on the other side of that sharing. Yeah. We know it because we right. felt it, but we have to remember it's a big thing. Like that's what makes relationships is these connections that you say, stop, time out. I need help. We're on this team together. Let's make this happen. A hundred percent. And it really does deepen your connection with this person. But then also, so getting the secret out is 50% of the thing, right? Like it really okay. is important because getting the secret out will take the power away from the secret. And already you just feel like a lighter human being. And then the second part is it is really helpful. And this is why I help women go into their ask with a plan. Like I was kind of explaining earlier with the Gary, the, the example I was giving with the pretend couple, it's really helpful to go in with an ask. Like the big ask is first a big tell, right? But then right. there is an ask and it's like, so what, so now what is it next? What am I asking? And so my asks at the very beginning were very remedial. It was like, my binge food was ice cream. Could you not keep ice cream in the house? Or like now we live in a house, we, at that time we lived in an apartment. We got a second freeze, fridge freezer thing out for our garage and you can actually buy a lock on Amazon. I requested it. I said, hey, my husband travels a lot. Would, will you put the ice cream in the garage freezer? Because we have little kids and they like ice cream, but I don't want to have to do mental gymnastics every time you're traveling to, to see if I'm going to do that or not. Is, is Are my old habits going to, my old demons going to come, you know, haunt me and I'm going to act out. Do we really need to play that Russian roulette? No, it was as easy as a $20 lock on Amazon. And now I don't have to go through that mental torment. So the, the ask can be as simple as keeping a trigger food out of the house and then it can evolve, right? So what I still do to this day, my big ask requirements, like criteria with my husband, um, I send him my workout mapper on Sunday night. So I he helps me just stay accountable to planning my workouts for the week, seven days. I, I work out seven days in the week um, and I put them on our shared calendar so he knows when they are. I send proof of the workout at the end of the workout because just because I said I was gonna run three miles on the treadmill and then I walk downstairs to do it, doesn't mean that the reality that I didn't jump off at 1.4 and start checking Instagram, right? Because I'm a liar and so are all of you because we're all human beings and it's okay. But I like that accountability, right? If, if you say three miles, finish three miles, right? Yep. Um, I send them uh, my scale in the morning and this is the one that everybody always loves. Oh, send the scale, the picture of the scale. And they think that makes me like crazy. And I'm like, you guys, I love how people have been convinced 
that your weight is something other than a health metric. Yeah, right. Your weight is actually a health metric. Knowing your weight doesn't make you crazy. What you do with a number in your head can make you crazy, right? But your weight, especially if you weigh every day, shouldn't be scary because you have a pretty good handle on where it's going within a pound or two. By the way, if I don't sleep well, my weight will be up three pounds. If I drink a big bottle of water before bed, it'll be up a couple of pounds. I don't freak out about any of that because I right. know that's my body. So like when you know, it's actually less scary. Um, I send that weight to him, by the way, he has zero judgment. He's never yet responded. He doesn't say, oh, up a couple pounds or good job being down five pounds. He doesn't care. It's right. for me. It's yeah. not for him. It's for me. Right. So those are my, my track, my metrics. And does he do anything in return? No, he doesn't need to, like, he doesn't have the same, he has his own, everyone has their own stuff. He doesn't really have issues with food. And so he's pretty fine with it, you know? So he doesn't really have the same problems. I help him with other things in his life, you know, other business things that are his benchmarks of success. Like help me like, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed. I'm trying to do 500 things at once. And I'll sit down with him and be like, well, you can only do one thing at a time. So let's prioritize three things. Let's put them on the calendar for today. And you're gonna check out with me at 11 o'clock, two o'clock and five o'clock. I'm gonna help you get them done. So we help each other kind of like systematize our life in yeah. that way where we just break it down and make it a little more pragmatic. So neither of us have to feel crazy at the same time, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I think it's excellent because we all have our own battles, right? And they all manifest in different ways. And so yours carried the name of food, right? His carries the name of prioritizing or it could change names and games throughout your life, but just acknowledging that, hey, this is what mine looks like. This is what yours looks like. No one's judging. Here's how we help each other. And everybody's on the same page. Let's move forward. That's exactly what it is. And it doesn't have to be like the first conversation is, can be emotional. And then after that, it's just like business as usual. And the key to having an accountability partner is using your accountability partner, right? Yes. A lot of us like will have this conversation and then you never do anything with it. So the key is you go in with that very specific ask, you put things on the calendar. Cause look, the most annoying thing about asking for help is like, oh shit, now I got to do the thing that I asked for the help doing. But that's the whole point. Like if you're a human being, you're not going to want to do 99% of the things that we have to do for our health and wellness, but you feel amazing when you do them. So having a little help getting across the finish line is what it's all about. Yeah. 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 And what you said was keeping it simple, right? So I know for me, I've been going out more. So when you go out more, the diet's harder to maintain. So instead of having like all these rules or blah, 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 my goal is I'm eating the healthiest thing on the menu. Yeah. When I eat at home, I can eat whatever. But when I'm going out, I'm eating the healthiest thing on the menu. That makes it real easy. Every single time I go out is like, oh, that's my decision. I've already made it. Now I just have to execute it and then we're done. And the more you execute what you say you're going to do, the more self-confidence you build. And it just has that trickle over effect. It's so true. I mean, one of the things I do with my big ask coaching clients is if they're going to like a client dinner or out to dinner with a partner, they send me the menu in advance and we map out what they're going to eat. So there's no ambiguity. Cause like you can get to a restaurant and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to have the fish. But like all of a sudden, you know, you were going to ask for it without the sauce or without the like rice pilaf. And then you just like lose your nerve or you don't want to be the difficult one at the table or you just want to have it as the chef prepared. You convince yourself of all these things or the buttered roll looks really good before the fish. But if we have something really set up and you have priorities and you have someone 
you know, my clients actually send me a picture, breakfast, breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, simple, five, five times a day. There's not a hundred million decisions. There's five. We make the plan for what each of those feedings are going to be. And they send me a picture and nothing complicated. We all have a cell phone. This is 2022. So yep. you snap a picture and you text it to somebody. It's no harder than that, but you would be amazed at the level of integrity that you find all of a sudden when you are sending somebody a picture of the food that you that you are consuming, you find that you'll scoop a little less, you'll actually stay true to portions. Anymore. Oh no, it's terrible. There's that like my fitness app or something yeah, that I was using power. at one point and my coach was, I did not quite have the energy to get through some of the workouts. And my coach is saying, I don't know, this doesn't make sense to me. So we're going to start tracking what you're eating because I can't figure this out. And so then I started sending her what I was eating. And then knowing that I had to send her that photo, I was like, oh, okay, well, this isn't quite the right size. Better shift it around. It changes everything. I'm like, I think my fitness pal are great. I find that sometimes when people, when you have to like, like my husband's great about mapping out like his macros and he uses an app. I get a bit of fatigue around that. It seems hard. It just yeah. seems like a lot of like math. And so that's why I like to, I literally just have them take a picture. I can look at it with my own little eyes and say, um, is that feta? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, are those candied walnuts? Like, you know what I mean? Maybe you could do without, maybe you could just move that part to the side and eat around it. Like just to make sure that the choice that you're making is actually the choice you intended to make. Yeah. 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 And that's the key, right? The choice you're, I love that. The choice you're making is the one you intended to make. And we all need to be accountable. And if it's photos or an accountability buddy or all these different things, they all work. Right. It's if you use them. So use them, use them, use them. Yeah. That's, I actually, I cite a study that was done recently by the American Society of Training and Development in my talks. And they did this study with about 3000 people. So it was a pretty good sized study. And these people, so they had like a goal or a task in mind. And just by wanting to complete the goal or like they had it in their mind, they were 10% likely to follow through. I was like, well, those aren't very good odds. Put a go- uh, like a deadline, like an end date on it their odds raised to 40%. I was like, oh, that's better, right? Tell somebody about it. 65%, yeah, 65%. But when they had regular check-ins with that person they told, that accountability partner, those people's odds raised to 95%. 95% of them completed the goal or the task. So think about that for a minute. I mean, obviously what we learned is like the point of having an accountability partner is actually using the accountability partner and actually lifted from 65% to 95% when they just had regular weekly check-ins with that person. The power of checking in with another human. I mean, we can use all the Google spreadsheets we want. We can have all the apps where we put in all the information and the app tells us things and we have a notification that we can just silence. It works best when you have human to human, eyeball to eyeball interaction with somebody else and that is truly how we are designed to work. Mm-hmm. I like it. Those are good facts. That's nice to know. All right. Okay. So tell me this evolution of your career, right? You've gone the Instagram fitness person, and now you have this coaching program because that's kind of what's evolved from what your client needs. And you're starting another podcast. How do you decide hey, this works for me, or this is going to fit into my big picture, or how do you decide what to say no to? 
That's such a great question. I So again, I did start for 17 years in PR and marketing. So I look at this all from a very, like through a business lens. And um, when I made the transition to influencer, like most people, I was really kind of going, but I was half going by the seat of my pants because it was like the wild west. It was pretty new in the influencer landscape. I historically, before that, had been running the influencer marketing campaigns for brands like McDonald's and General Motors and Pernod Ricard. So I understood the landscape quite well, but on my own, I was just kind of like this newbie doing it, you know, just doing it fresh. I think why I've been so successful in that space is because I really kept it extremely authentic. Like I'm very much like warts and all that type of an influencer, like very much show it like it is. And I very much believe in that. Um, And then everything else has been an evolution. I, you know, I talk a lot about when I take people through my pillars, it's kind of like the big reveal afterwards that I, it aligns with the chakras. So I, it starts with the root chakra, then goes up to the solar plexus, which is like your, you know, your your fire in your belly where you take action. Then you go up to your heart and your throat chakra. That's where you make your ass, where you connect with people. And then you get up into your third eye chakra and that up into your crown chakra, which is like your enlightenment. When you have done some of this other work, right, from the like getting grounded up to the like finding the fire in your belly, getting up to the like connecting with other people to help you stick to it. And now you've done some of this work. It's like you've opened up additional RAM on your personal hard drive, right? It's like it's like all of a sudden it opens up intuition, a place of intuition. I don't have to think that hard about what aligns with my business. It is intuitive. Every single step I've taken over the last four years has been so crystal clear to me. I haven't even had to like do any strategizing. It just is apparent. Like it's time for this new pot. Like I just signed a second podcast because in my heart, I was being called to create content to tell women's stories. And I just knew it. And I also knew I was going to sign it with like a big major development, you know, company like Warner Brothers because my heart was like, okay, this is your thing. You have to tell the story and it's going to, and someone's going to see it for what it is. And it, and it happens. And that is that moment where you get into a place where like success is sticky. And I really do believe that, you know, it's like manifestation. Um, But it is really very much just being opened and listening to the things that are working and aren't working. And then you stop having to think so hard about it. Yeah. 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 So when the second podcast came about was that something that you were soft pursuing or hard pursuing or yeah explain that so i had had my my podcast is my baby it's called off the gram i've hosted it for three years i host it with two other women in wellness megan murphy who's the editor-in-chief of women's day magazine and heidi christopher who's a celebrity in the yoga space we have this amazing opportunity to interview like experts and icons and legends and celebrities on the front lines of wellness every single week I adore doing it and it's been super fun. And we take women on, you know, off the gram live podcast retreats where we do live recordings in other cities. It's been rad. And I never wanted to stop doing that. And that's still happening. It's a talk show, but I wanted to do a different type of show. I I wanted to not just have a talk show. I love podcasts and I love serialized, like those types of podcasts that have storytelling where there's a cliffhanger at the end of each episode. And you're like, oh my God, I'm so in, like, tell me this story, right? And it's a crazy story. I looked at the swath of women that I work with every single day in the big ask. I know their backstories. And what was apparent to me is that some of them have the craziest backstories. And that's no coincidence. It's because 
Women who emotionally eat are often emotionally eating to cover trauma. And there's a lot of trauma in most of our past. Most of us have trauma, whether it's big T or little T trauma. We all have reasons that we're trying to put a bandaid on our pain. And I knew that those were the stories I wanted to tell in this serialized podcast. So I took that idea to Warner Brothers and they saw my vision. And so we just recorded the first season um, and it's set to go out um, in January, which is very exciting. But my idea was basically to take what I've been doing with the big ask, both in coaching and on the big stages that I speak on and just say, like, we got to bring it back to the individual women, because like, Again, this is a bigger conversation about how we in America treat weight loss culture right now. Like it's literally been scraped from the pages of all the major publishing houses. Like you are not allowed to say diet. You're not allowed, like, I get it. We don't need to be saying like skinny, like all those like triggering words. I get that. But to not acknowledge that women are struggling, that we live in a country where over half of the population struggles with being overweight to the detriment of their health and that and that they're not bad people trying to get good they're sick people trying to get well Mm -hmm. that is what i'm trying to tell yeah 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 well where i was going with this too is we set goals right so i set a goal to climb a mountain called ama de blanc because i was training for that and kind of had that as my north star Then the conversation came up with my son about, well, that's not a mountain. If we do hard things, you should climb Everest. And so then the Everest goal showed up, but it wouldn't have showed up if I wasn't pursuing the other goal. And then when I was training for Everest, I was introduced to um, a book that had a lady that got a Guinness world record for skiing across the Alps. And I was like half joking to my coach, like I could do that. I could, and my kids learned how to read and get us world record books. So then I would actually be a cool mom to my children. And we kind of left it at that. And then a few weeks later, he called back. He's like, Hey, I have the perfect Guinness world record for you. You should do the seven second summits. I haven't done by a female, blah, 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 blah. And kind of like your story, right? You became a coach because you were kind of already in the space and then you saw the need and you're like, yeah, let's make this official. You did the podcast because it's something you really enjoyed. Then when you're sitting there and noticing like, hey, I want to combine both of these things and have something else, right? And so I'm sharing this because I think when people look at us and they see all the things that we're going for or accomplishing, it's hard to see the evolution of what that looks like or how that comes to be. And it is, it's getting grounded in all of your chakras. It's knowing your energy centers and what's on and what's off, but then it's, it's allowing, it's surrendering to who you are and what life gives you. And then saying, yes, this is me and taking that torch and running with it. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And then, you know, and then the last piece of all of that, it's like, cause I always talk about my last pillar is like limitless with limits. Right. So it's like, now you're like living in that place of intuition of enlightenment of your highest consciousness. Right. And like, everything's unfolding and like success is coming to you and it's sticky. And you're just like, wow, I am on top of the world. That would be great if we all lived in a vacuum. Right. So like, right. But like real life comes at you. So then the, the biggest piece, and this is like the daily practice, is what's your bounce back strategy for when things throw you off your path? 
because that's going to happen too, right? And so that's where a lot of the accountability comes in, but also just like the per- kind of personal like maintenance strategies to, to do your best to course correct because the reality of life is like, we don't reach enlightenment. We're not Buddhist monks like levitating ab- above a mountaintop and we just stay there, you know, like we have kids and jobs and responsibilities. So to kind of bring it full circle, it's like, how do you then achieve that and then put it all in balance? Because that's really the ultimate goal. Right, 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 right. Like people ask how I pick my goals and one of first I look at my life. I say, okay, how does this goal fit into my life instead of my life fitting into that goal? Mm. Because my family's first. And so I have to, that's what my guiding principle is. So I have to always operate from, okay, will this slide in? Sure, I might have to give up some things or twist some things around, but I, my, my family's first, right? So that's where the goals have to slide into. And yes, this can work. I could get into mountaineering because I can drop them off at school and then I can train while they're at school and I still have time to be home and get all my other tasks done, right? So when you're setting goals or when things are evolving, you first, your family first, like what's important to you first and then make it fit. Don't try to make you fit into that. Absolutely. And it, and it really is, you know, those of us with like support, like I am lucky. I have a supportive like husband, which really makes it work because I I don't know. It's really interesting. Actually, my son um, was talking to a friend of his in class the other day and the mom texted me and she was like, I had such a funny conversation with Shay today. She said, Mason's daddy is like you and his mommy is like daddy. So basically what my son had interpreted is that my husband is like, the housewife and that that I'm like the dad and I said well that's really that's really cute but that's completely not true it's just that we're 50 50 but in a in this society I think it's it can still be so unusual right that right. you have this like this this family unit that performs in this very collaborative 50 50 way and he has to by nature of my business take on 50 percent or maybe a little more of the child care because like I'm out there I'm on the road you know I'm doing a lot of things Um, but it's really interesting, but it's how our family works. And I think you have to look at your life and figure out what works for you. For instance, like I talk to a lot of my women in the big ask, you know, they're homemakers. And I say, you have the hardest job of all. There's nothing that makes me crazier than when someone says, oh, I'm just a housewife or I don't work. You know what I mean? It's just like an antiquated way of describing like what is actually the hardest job in the world, right? So first of all, taking a step back and really evaluating what is your purpose in this world and how can you give yourself a pat on the back for that first of all and then figure out what it really kind of like looks like what fills your cup what part of that fills your cup you know and how can you break that down and really systematize it so you feel like all your needs are getting met that's a lot of what i coach people to do and that's like life's purpose work but it it ladders back to weight loss and wellness because this is all like hand in hand you know oh yeah no and it's i mean it's reality like when we're feeling at our best we're not reaching for ice cream yeah right it's when we're feeling not at our best and then that's when we're like grabbing for something to fill us in so when you're setting goals or having these ideas of what you want to be or what you want your life to look like it has to first start with you and how your life's going to play out and then add the goal on and let it evolve. And as you get into positions, you can also change it, right? Like I'm finding girlfriends who 
they're going back to work and they're saying, Hey, I'm going back three days instead of five. Mm -hmm. And if you want me, this is what I'm going to give you. And the companies are saying, sure, we'll take you for three days. You're worth it. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so I actually just hired through a company. I'm going to give a little shout out here. This is not sponsored, but it's called the mom project. And it's a great, like I was looking for not a temp. I was looking for, you know, a part-time assistant, like VA for one of my parts of my business. And this is great platform that allows women to go back to into the workforce remote because everybody can pretty much be remote now, but women, you don't have to explain a seven year gap in your work employment. you like, I was talking to women that were in marketing, you know, several years ago, they're smart, they're sharp. I'm happy to train them a little bit but they've been raising kids, you know what I mean? And so there's so many versions of the new normal of what it can look like to pursue a side hustle, a solopreneurship, getting back into the workforce in a way that works for you. I think it's just an entirely new world and it's really exciting. And you really have to evaluate though what fills your cup. Like I would be, to be, can I curse on this show? Yes. I would be a shitty stay-at-home mom. I really would. And that's okay. It doesn't mean I don't love my kids. It's just that working fills my cup. And so that's important for me to acknowledge. Like the other hat wouldn't be mine to wear. It's just not where I'm the best, where I shine the brightest for my family and for my kids, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, so I've been there. That. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I just remember being like the dream was to be the stay-at-home mom. So I got myself into a position where I was a stay-at-home mom and I was like, this is this is what I was shooting for. And then you felt guilty because there's, there's the story around it, right? This is what you should want. That car accident made me realize, okay, I could die at any moment. Yeah. If I could die at any moment, my last decade is not my best. Right. And so then I started doing things that lit me up and it actually was better for our whole family. Sure. And I'm so grateful that there's women that have sweaters that match socks for whatever holiday theme we're on. Like, I think that's great. It's just not me. It's never going to be me. And so please do you allow me to do me and together we'll all be in a better spot. I love all of that. And like, take a little bit from other people. And I, you know, I was sharing some data yesterday on just like the benefits of having a hobby. Like I think as adults, we so often forget, like we get lulled into the, like, you go to work, to go home, to go to sleep, to go back to work. And that that's not living. Right. So really like evaluating like quarterly or twice a year, like, what do I really like to do? Like take out a piece of paper and a pen and be like, what actually sparks joy? You know, and it, I mean, there's actually a lot of data that people who do like group sports or a book club or just even hobbies that have like a interpersonal element to them, that they are statistically happier, right? So I think in this very disconnected world that we live in, we're all digitally connected, but interpersonally disconnected. Yeah. Really making yourself get out there and pursue life is a very important piece of advice that sometimes we forget. No, I agree. And so look at how well Jamie said this to our audience. We take a break, we check in with ourselves, we figure out what we want, what we desire, and then we start building around that. Because if we don't, we break. And when we break, we show up in ways that we don't want to. And so, and when we do break, that's not the time to shame ourselves. That's a time to say, oh, wow, myself needed more than what I gave it. And so it was seeking things that it knew would get my attention. And now that it has my attention, how can we address this differently in the future and be authentically ourselves and forgive and move on? Amen. Amen.
Yay, girl. I love you. Okay. So where if people want to have a journey, like this experience with you, they can sign up for the 12 week. Give us the details. I'll give you the details. So everybody can always follow me at NYC fit fam is the easiest way to find me. I'm on Instagram and then everything's in my link tree, but you can also go over to the big ask And that is the landing page for my whole program. Okay. I love it. Thank you for your time today. Thanks for having me. Yes.